to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So pleased that you could join us today for what I'm sure will be a fascinating conversation uh, with the one and only Dan Randall. Dan, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Good to be with you, mate. So good to have you with us. And Dan is the Youth and Young Adults Director of Hope Together. And Hope along with Alpha and the Church Army and uh, Church of England and Scripture Union, Youth for Christ and Youthscape, all came together not so long ago to uh, conduct a big piece of research around peer evangelism. And so Dan has very kindly uh, agreed to come uh, onto the podcast and help unpack that research for us today and what we can learn from it about how Uh, young people share their faith and how crucially we as youth leaders can help young people in sharing their faith with their friends uh dan before we get into that though i would love just to would you just introduce yourself a little tell us about your life and family and local church and uh, your journey in youth ministry be great to just hear some of that journey from you yeah great so i'm married to the wonderful marina as we record this, I don't know when it's going out, but we have a baby girl on the way who may be with us by the time you release this podcast. Uh, so that's why I'm sounding more awake. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited that uh, she'll be our first. And uh, yeah, we help lead a local church called Life Church Lancashire. Uh, been there for about 11 years and um, I've been heading up the youth ministry there and a number of other things. And um, absolute privilege to serve young people in that space. Uh, my journey with youth work really started when my youth leader took me to youth work at a conference uh, back in the day in Southport. And uh, I was a 16-year-old young leader in the life of the youth ministry, didn't really know what I was doing. And that was where I really caught the bug. And yeah, began to work as a community youth worker for my church a year later, doing some things. And then, yeah, did a gap year with Pays Movement and was with them for 10 years, a number of other things. But Always on the ground with local young people, whether doing national stuff or regional stuff, whatever it might be. Love hanging out with young people, spend time with young people. So yeah, I think I think that answers all your questions. Yeah, what what's your favourite thing about youth work, Dan? What keeps you going? What 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 do you, what do you love about it? What what are the greatest moments in in youth work for you? It's never vanilla. It's never boring. <laughs> like, literally, last Friday night. Um, as in the, we're in the middle of worship, absolutely going for it with one of the new songs from Elevation. And then I turn around to see a lad put another lad on his shoulders and spin around as fast as possible um, <laughs> in the middle of worship. And, you know, I always tell those kind of stories because I think a lot of people that happens to them and they just think we're the only ones, our youth group are nuts or whatever. But yeah, I've been, I've been in some interesting situations. I think my favourite thing about youth ministry is just wild. It's absolutely wild. And, it's, and young people just... They don't process in the same way as adults, and generally that is a good thing um, in terms of their feedback. If something's good, you know about it. If it's not, you know about it. And, um, yeah, just so good, their honesty. And, yeah, they're also the yeah. great. That, that, that's so true. You know, I often say to, like, communicators when I'm, like, teaching communication classes or whatever, um, which I do with youth workers, but just other communicators as well. And I'll often say to those who are not youth workers, I'll say, look, if you want to, if you want to know if you're a good communicator, you need to go and speak to a youth group because if you're boring on a Sunday morning, people will still give you attention out of a sense of courtesy 
Yes. And so they'll sit quietly, they'll look, they'll listen. If you go speak to a youth group and you're boring, they're not doing their phones are out of their pockets, they're whispering to their mates. So it, it really you know, it, it you're so right about that honest, honest feedback and you know, you, yeah. you really know what they're thinking, don't you? Can I tell you can I say the best thing the uh, best thing or the worst thing that ever happened to me when I was preaching? I remember <laughs> Well, actually, two, probably two stories, but I'll just tell one because you might have on the football. I think um, I was preaching, and it was quite dark, and we just set up this new room in, in youth, and it was kind of a bit makeshift, and I couldn't fully see all the young people as I was preaching because the lights were in a certain way, and we need to edit them, but we just went for it. And in the middle of the message, with these bunch of 11s to 14s, some from the community, some from the life of the church, and merging, beautiful thing, I just heard this, bam! And then, and then another bam, and and then these two lads had just started absolutely going at each other, like <laughs> not even messing around, but like um, blooded noses. Oh no! Like yeah, middle of the preach. Oh, now's the response, and like chairs flying. Yeah, um, they obviously thought it was that good. You know, just, uh, how did how did you handle a fight breaking in. out in the middle of your um, preach? What, what did, did you do? Did you just kind of carry on as though it weren't happening, or like what? I probably said something semi sarcastic in a way that I would was like, "Oh, does someone want to sort that out?" Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of like to the leaders, it's a a subtle. Why did you let that happen? <laughs> subtle. Does someone want to get involved with that? That's not me. So I'll keep doing this. And then, yeah, just a classic teacher comment, I guess, was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to ignore that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of, um, yeah. But, you know, some people love your messages and some people do that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, Dan, onto this research, which is entitled Influencers, uh, Peer Evangelism Amongst Young People in the UK. Tell us, what is it? What were you seeking to find out? What inspired you and, and the others who came together to make this happen to to do this bit of investigating, really? Yeah, so it, it was birthed out of a conversation that began to happen in probably the first week of the pandemic. Okay. When I guess we looked around, we realised, well, around I began to ask other people and people were saying a similar thing. Okay, most people can't get in school. Some people are still able to, to reach young people. We weren't allowed out on the streets, young people generally. And most youth groups, social media was okay at best. So in terms of ways to reach young people um, and and disciple young people in different spaces that weren't the church building, which I guess now the church buildings have become the Zoom um, spaces uh, or video call spaces, that how how else do we do this? Well, the, the way that has always been there and the way that, you know, not secretly, but very openly I've always been very passionate about is the, the power of the peer is that actually the the power of the young person who shares their faith with another young person, I believe, is is always more powerful than the older youth worker or church leader or whoever, because there's that level of authenticity and side-by-side -side and just language and communication. And I guess when we look at even revivals in history, it was, it was when communities were transformed, when people were changing. It wasn't what one person said. It was more about then what was passed on in the in the Chinese whispers of whatever and the peer. And, and the idea of the peer has been around for a while. You know, Judith Harris writes about it in her book, The Nurture Assumption. She talks about basically the invention of the peer um, post-war, uh, because actually pre that, it was you were a child and then you became an adult and you went to work. And actually there's some really interesting, sorry, not the invention of the peer, the invention of the teenager, because uh, obviously peer is a piece of language that can be used in all ages. 
and and that's really interesting how actually they the culture of young people has then affected other young people throughout time since then and before that not just because she wrote a book it was invented but i guess it was more identified um and so with all that in mind we really sought out to begin a conversation around what do we do we're passionate about seeing more young people reached, more young people discipled. And this isn't just an evangelism conversation, it isn't just a discipleship conversation, because I believe the fruit of um, great discipleship is young people that know how to share their faith, a fruit, mm-hmm. and um, not the only fruit. And um, evangelism isn't just about one-off moments and events, but it's about a journey of discipleship. So how, how do we do something with that? That's where the conversation began. Yeah, and actually a lot of the things that you're saying there, interestingly enough, do bear out in the results of the research. But but we'll come to that uh, in a few moments' time. What was the what was the kind of journey of it then? How did you go about conducting this research and what were the kind of questions that you, that you were that you were asking and and finding answers to? Yeah, so so it began in a space of friends talking together about and and you were part of that conversation, a number of people part of the conversation about what are we seeing? Where are we seeing this happen? Um, and people that were actually passionate about seeing this, that young people sharing their faith, and that became the predominant question, how are young people sharing their faith? Or how are young people living out their faith? Um, and so we then said from that conversation, the organisations that have had a history doing research and are passionate about that, to go away and do that. So May, April, May 21, the process began. Uh, we began to look for research, and began to shape, okay, what, what are the questions you want to ask? And um, in working with Nine Dot Research, you were brilliant because they really helped us drill down into some of the the finer details of some of the conversations that young people are actually having through this. And so we actually ended up with a three uh, strand kind of way of doing the research. One was a seven day online learning community where young people, we were trying to specifically target young people, uh, meet with young people that were came to faith, uh, who were definitely fully devoted towards Jesus, like living, living the Christian life, however you want to put it, but, but weren't from a Christian home. So actually they could talk yeah. about maybe a peer experience or, or how did they come to faith? Like that was the bigger question. It wasn't excluding events and other things. What was really interesting about that was for most of us, we felt that like that was a bit of a flop. And, it, and, and that tells you something in in the instant because actually well, as in you couldn't find the young people who weren't from christian homes that had come to faith yeah because just couldn't find them uh, oh, really wow okay yeah and and people have a great chuckle about this a young person put themselves forward who uh, both their parents are ministers <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting one to navigate um but that but that tells you something in itself and we're not just moving the target on the tree and saying, oh, yeah, well, it was this and wasn't this. But it was more, actually, that is a piece of research in itself, struggling mm. to do that, to actually find these young people. So we managed to find 16 young people who took part in that, which is a ridiculously small number for what we really wanted. We wanted about 100 for a decent-sized learning community. Um, and so, but actually, that told us maybe where things were at. That gave us a bit of a glimpse into, okay, even before we get these results about where are things and and i guess an interesting side point to that you could draw from that is okay yeah peer-to-peer is important but actually the passing on of faith within the home um from christian parents to their children is absolutely critical and i know that's not the focus of this research but it does you know yeah it, it shows in that very fact doesn't it 
Yeah. And, and it keeps coming out in all the researches that are coming out, including yeah. um, like the latest Talking Jews report from this year of 2022 that shows that for all adults, the main way that people came to faith who are practicing Christians, living fully devoted lives to Jesus, or whatever you want to phrase that as, they uh, the top way they came to faith was they grew up in a Christian home. So we yeah. can't get away from that. And neither are we wanting to... This is, and I, I really like your point because I'm very passionate about that. I love that. And I think it's a, how do we best empower parents as yes. disciples? That's, that's yeah. a huge question. And I don't think there's a, a full answer to that at the minute. But I think even in the life of our youth ministry, that's something we tried to work on over the past few years is how, yeah. what does our parent engagement look like? Not just we write better letters for parents. Yeah. Yeah. Or we have a better WhatsApp group for parents. But how do I equip a parent to disciple their teenagers? And also, what if they haven't really been discipling them as children? That's a whole other issue because then actually, yeah. some of the things some parents are coming up against from getting sidetracked. But it's it's a really interesting conversation. Yeah, and I think yeah. something as youth leaders we have to be aware of, and also understanding. I have a number of parents who, when their first child becomes a teenager, they cry on my shoulder and they come to me, and I realize, well, why are you talking to me? I don't even have kids yet. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. But then I realized, well, I've got way more experience working with teenagers than they have because all of a sudden one has just spawned itself in their home overnight, <laughs> seemingly, um, how they would see it. Um, and yet we've been doing this for 10, 15 years or whatever. And so, like, actually there is something to give and gift in that environment. Anyway, mm. that's a separate matter. But this is the importance of this not just being an evangelism piece of research but also a discipleship piece and the Imagine a Venn diagram with those two circles. We want to see those overlapped more because oh, yeah. the fruit of one is is so so linked to the other. As as I know, you know, uh, but that's something I'm very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so where were we? You were talking about that you didn't get as many uh, people yes. who become Christians from non-Christian families as you wanted, but the research continued nonetheless. Where did you take it from there? Yeah, so then we uh, did an online survey with young people aged 13 to 18. Um, and 408 young people took part in that, which is brilliant. And we were encouraged by that. And we were shooting for around 500. And then we also did an online survey of youth leaders. 255 youth leaders took part in that. Um, and that then, all those three building together, because you've got a quad of qualitative um, result from the learning community, but then you've got some more hard stats from the other two pieces of research, but also a qualitative nature in them as well and some of the answers that have been given particularly in the youth leader survey so we were very very encouraged by the outcome and um excited to chat about it today because i think this this the opportunity is is right there and it wasn't a doom or gloom situation great well with that in mind then you know what what did come out of it give, give us some of those kind of key headlines that you drew from the process yeah so the kind of key areas were the role peers playing young people becoming Christians, what we know about young Christians sharing their faith with their peers, the barriers to young people sharing their faith and how we can support them and the, and the role of the church in that. And so I think for me, like one of the, the most encouraging um, thing, and a few of the stats were, were things like this, is that um, the, t- the top thing, the top ways young people report to being influenced themselves were peers helping them develop their own faith 56 percent friends telling them about faith and being invited to someone is 51 so actually the power of the peer is is re-emphasized right there um 
But then it actually, but then the research went on to really show us that 38 percent of Christian young people surveyed said other Christians their own age were a big influence on them becoming a Christian, while 39 percent said they had little influence. So the opportunity is there. There's this big influence, and there's also this this base little influence, and there's the, the group in the middle, obviously. Yeah. So I, I have to admit, when I first read that, I was like, oh, I read it as, oh, they had little influence, but that's that's not what. It, it's it, it's a, it's a positive stat, isn't it? It's someone who had a big influence, and then there's someone who had. It's more like I guess a bit of an influence, and yes. then there is no influence below that as well, isn't there? So yeah, yeah. so it was that there was an influence taking place. Is what that's that stat is t- yeah. talking about. Yeah, but obviously the language of big and little, and that's why I say there's something yeah. in the middle there as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's still really encouraging that that means that young people are actually sharing the faith more than we thought they were. Because mm. I guess I think probably we've maybe got a picture ahead of young people are struggling to even tell their friends what they did at the weekend, i.e. youth or church. or. But actually there's there's something there in terms of um, young people being willing to, to share. Um, and people, um, I think those who were from unchurched backgrounds were slightly more likely to say, that Christians their own age were either a big or a little influence on them becoming faith 85% versus 76% of church background young people. So there is evidence there already that the power of the peer is there. And I guess we didn't need this research to tell us that. There's incredibly smart people like Judith Harris who've told us that and lots of sociologists. But is it being, are Christian young people using the power of the peer that they have and not in a, militaristic way but in a way of are they using the platform that they have in their life in the lives of their friends yeah um so it's very interesting and um the outcomes there and i think this is what we're seeing in terms of one thing i had in my gut and in my spirit was that cancel culture was having a big effect on how young people were sharing their faith like it's so easy to get cancelled right now Mm. And the reports that we keep are reports, quote unquote, and I think you're probably hearing a similar thing is that youth groups are smaller uh, on the whole. There is some youth groups going and fitness patterns for why that's happening. And we don't need to go into that now around connection and co- versus content and those kind of things. But, um, you know, people have been made redundant, sadly. People have, have moved on from jobs. People, you know, so on and so forth in terms of youth work. So even youth groups that were doing well, and that's what I'm hearing from festival leaders in terms of like, you know, who's actually bringing that group. That's, you know, so there's no pathway even to the young people in that sense. But I believe even though there might be less young people in church, they've made a decision. They've made a clearer decision during COVID and through COVID because what it means to be a Christian has shifted again over the last 10 years. Whereas we still live in, or they're growing up in an unchurched generation rather than a de-churched, like previous generations, there is now some forms of negativity towards the church on certain issues, which we don't need to go into now, um, that people are then perceiving this is what they believe or they think or, or the people they hate or whatever. And so I think for a young person to be bold in their faith um, or actually for a young person to say yeah i'm a christian yeah i'm part of church is a bold statement they're a bold remnant is yeah. the language i'm using in the midst of cancel culture i you know i totally agree with that and I, funnily enough um th- this podcast will be going out after limitless festival happens but we're recording it just a few weeks before and i've just this morning been working on some of my talks and and that is one of the things that like I, I'm going to be, you know, talking about at Limitless Festival is this idea that 
Christianity is a counterculture. Yes. And so in order to truly follow Jesus, you know, you are going to have to believe some things that seemingly no one else is believing. You are going to have to reject some ideas that seemingly everybody else is embracing. You're going to have to you know, behave in ways that seemingly no one else is behaving. And you might well get cancelled for that. But actually, that's what Jesus told us to expect. He said, you'll be hated by everyone because of me. Mm. And that's not easy, but it's true. It is what Jesus told us to be ready for. And, I, and so I just think there's really something there about like um, we, raising a, a generation of Christians who have a faith that is robust enough to withstand yes. rejection and to not pursue popularity and to understand actually they don't have to chase acceptance because they're already accepted. And I think there's some big stuff in there for us as youth leaders to, because the cancel culture thing, it's so prevalent, isn't it? And right now, and um, you know, you know, Christian young people are feeling the brunt end of that, I think. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting stuff. Any other key uh, headlines for you, Dan, that, 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 that drew out the research that it's, it's worth us knowing about? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, here's a really encouraging thing. When we thought about how young people, young Christians are sharing their faith with their peers, which is what we really went into it for, was that just under a third, so 31% of young people surveyed, said that they share their faith on social media, which is amazing. And, um, I, I, you know, I thought it would be lower than that. There's different ways of doing that that they listed about sharing posts, not so creating posts, you know, maybe a, a worship video or something or but actually, what's, um, in terms of that, the research also showed us that young people are more likely to share their faith on social media. They're more likely to share their faith face-to-face than they are to invite to a youth group event. So it's almost like this generation, uh, they're not deliberately anti-invitation culture. I guess a lot, a lot of us have adopted that kind of um, welcoming invitation culture and obviously welcoming the model of Jesus and all of that. Totally agree with that. But I think... It's more of a case of um, the young people are wanting to own their faith in a different way. And, and I think we see some of that in the values of their generation. Yeah. Um, and maybe do they trust the events we're putting on? Well, I mean, that, you know, this, this whole thing that came out of the research, I think this was really fascinating. And I, 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 I drew this bit out because it's something that really stood out to me from the research. So, so if you don't mind, let me quote a few bits of research here and I'll, I'll ask you to comment on this very element. So one of the conclusions, one of the headlines in the piece, and, and we'll make sure that we link to the full thing in the show notes and, and we'll, we'll tell people how to get the full report uh, in, a, in, in a moment, because of course we're only going to be able to scratch the surface here. But one of the conclusions is this, when it comes to evangelism, youth leaders and churches emphasize inviting friends to something, but young people are more likely to talk to friends about faith. So 81% of youth leaders said their church encouraged young people to invite their friends to something, followed by encouraging to, them to show their peers what it means to be a Christian, 58%, and then uh, encouraging them to talk to peers about their faith, 49%. But young people themselves were twice as likely to have talked to a friend about their faith, 71%, than to have invited a friend to something, 35%. So youth leaders perceive making an invitation to be more significant in evangelism than young people do. And then here's a quote from the research. While churches are more focused on events that young people can be invited to, young people 
are more likely to want to talk about sharing faith. I just think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, yes. we have this idea, like we'll put on the evangelistic event and we'll have a great speaker and um, whatever. Um, and our mechanism for helping friends to share their faith will be to say to the young people, we're doing this event, make sure you bring all your friends. But the research is showing they're less likely to do that than they are to actually talk to their friend themselves. And I kind of feel like that's a good thing, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think it's, is it discouraging? Is it, you know, it, it's hard to use the words because it's like, do we want to, yeah, of course we want young people to come to our events. Of course we want to communicate the gospel, but it's got to challenge us to think actually, like, do young people trust the way we're communicating it? Do you people yeah. feel confident about bringing their mates to these events? Or do, it, yeah, go on, go on, come on. Or is it that they are just more confident about sharing their faith? Like, I think we have to ask all the questions. Yeah. Um, rather than just assuming it's oh, they're just more confident in sharing their faith, because then actually we That's potentially assume we've done a better job than we think we have. Uh, yeah. Sorry, than we actually have, which. Isn't we should be encouraged by this report the young people more into it, and parents should be encouraged as well as a disciple of the young people. But also we have to ask the questions the other way around. Is it just a case of them more confident in sharing their faith? Or is it that actually they they have more control in a in a more an ownership and an authenticity, which we know advise that this generation mm, in what they're sharing versus yeah. what they're gonna share. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and the thing it makes me think of as a youth leader is on that basis then do i need to put more attention into like equipping than eventing if you see what i mean so do i need to put do i do that time that i kind of put into putting on the kind of accessible event and encouraging people young people to invite their friends would that time be better spent with me equipping coaching those young people into how to share their faith with their friends into how to, you know, apologetic stuff, how to answer tough questions, into how to share their personal testimony. If, if they're more likely to do it on a peer-to-peer basis than they are on an invitational basis, then uh, should, should, that, should that be where I put my time and attention? So I think there's two, there's two thoughts here is, one, yes, I think we should definitely put more energy into doing equipping, training, so on and so forth. Um, in how to share your faith, apologetics, uh, you know, all the different stuff that I guess we've known there and we could do. But I think what's more powerful and what comes through, and sometimes I I lose myself in what is what we put in the report and what we discovered in all the raw data and things. But what was really interesting, it seemed to come through as a theme, is that actually young people didn't just want to be equipped and trained. They wanted to be shown and it was much more experiential, it seemed, and there was hints towards that. But it wasn't just, don't just turn, you know, don't just turn small group into a training around mission, or don't just, you know, do a Saturday morning thing, but actually take us out. Like, oh, show great. how to do this. How would you talk to this person? How would you share with this person? How would you have to pray for this person? But, and this is... I guess the concern is our, the question we have to ask ourselves, youth, is are we in a place where we know to share the gospel well? 
that were confident in doing so, that were willing to do the scary thing, which to yeah. be honest, I don't think we ever get past unless someone's an out-and-out evangelist, but actually willing to do that because do you, are young people not trusting our events because we're not communicating the gospel or are they not trusting our events because of the style? Or I think there's a, so many different questions to be asked. Yeah. Dan, I think this is so good because, um, yeah, what would it look like for our youth groups to start getting out on mission, on the streets, you know, uh, of, of our own localities a bit more regularly rather than uh, only kind of retreating to the comfort of our buildings and, and having our huddles. We did this thing last summer um, for Limitless Festival when we were still in and out of lockdowns. We did this gather, pray, go thing. Um uh, and the idea was like we would do some kind of teaching online and then that that youth groups would regather after a long time of being apart and then we did this pray thing and then we, there was all this creative prayer and then there was a go moment and the idea was that all of those youth groups who were engaging in limitless festival all over the country they all went out into yes. their communities all at the same time and we would kind of provided a resource of creative ideas of how to do that but the stories dan that we got back from that oh it was so good just that that thing where those young people and like you just alluded to as well us as youth leaders too were having to get out of our comfort zones and do something that felt a little bit scary and go out into the communities and bless the communities through mission and social action and the stuff man like we there were people in parks giving like words of knowledge to people in the parks and you know I mean, it was, ama- it was amazing to see people doing that. And, w- you know, what if that became a, a part of our regular rhythm of youth ministry? Yeah. That, yes we, yes, we gathered, and yes, we worshipped, and yes, we prayed, and yes, we did games, and yes, we had fun, and yes, we did equipping and training, all that stuff. But actually, we together got out there and did it as a, as a community, as a group. You know, that, yeah. that could be cool. That could be exciting. So I think, you know, about seven, eight years ago, in the life of our local church, as I was leading the youth, um, I was out in Northern Ireland and I saw a couple of things and I thought that's really interesting, you know, how they were doing mission with young people. And so I came back and we said, right, on the first Thursday of every month, all the small groups are cancelled for young people. We meet in the town centre at 4pm and we do mission. We, do, we give out hot chocolate. We offer to pray for people. We share the good news. And so every first Thursday of the month, for the other than August for the last seven, eight years that has happened with young people and the best discipleship has happened on that. The best team stretching has happened in that, but it was because we had to sacrifice something. We had to say there's no small groups this week. Yeah. You have to, we have to cut stuff for it to move forward. And then obviously we go to McDonald's afterwards. We do the debrief. We chat it through best discipleship conversation. Dan, Dan, let's let's lean into this a bit because I, I feel like this could just be a moment whereby the Holy Spirit, like ideas, are stirring in youth leaders' minds as, as you're being. Yes. So, could, could, like you've, you've you've given us headlines, but describe to me in a bit more detail what you do there. Um, just not not necessarily that that leaders listening can copy it exactly, but so it just can spur some innovation and creative thinking about what 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 showing young people how to do evangelism yeah. might look like. Tell us more about it. So I think the important things in the model is things like you're in pairs or small groups. So in terms of depending on how many young people come now, you know, in terms of we, you know, we probably get about 20 to 30% of the, of our young people to that. If, you know, 
that's a good one, 30%. So just in terms of proportions, yeah. it's not like we're getting the whole Friday night youth group there, just so people are hearing. Yeah. So then actually, most because they're mostly youth team there, you can nearly do one-to-one or, to, or one-to-two. When And they go out, there's a bit of a base, you know, hot chocolate or ice pops. Ice pops is about once a year because uh, you live in Burnley. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and so that's the base. The basis is always generosity and welcome. So that's okay. what I'd like. Let's give some stuff away. You know, really simple. And and there's an element of then, you know, giving some always people hot chocolate, but just blessing anybody that comes past. Yeah. But then just having some really simple stuff like signs that say, how can I pray for you? Or can I pray for you? And what's really interesting is, or putting tools in as like something like because you're loved or other resource where young, if you say to a young person, hey, we're going off that person prayer over there, they probably won't do it. But if you give them a sign, they probably will. Or if you give them a card of hearts, because instead of saying, give that person a hot chocolate, give them one of these cards as well and say, you know, when because when they say, why are you doing this? You say, well, because we love you. And why is that? And then it just opens up a conversation. Simple conversations, but also giving young people, almost, it's almost like these things, signs, cards, things like that, they're shields, shields, of, little bits of their shield of faith almost, because it gives them a way of interacting with people, which becomes quite normal then. I remember one of my favourite stories over the years was a lad called Bobby and came along, Bobby was holding this sign, how can I pray for you? I said, and I, I'd run back to the car to get some it, so he'd already got going. He was with another youth leader called Zach and I said, Bobby, how's it going? He said, oh, I just prayed for someone tell me about that and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, how was your day at school? And he said, I prayed for someone and I looked a bit vacant thinking, you just told me this. Anyway, he unpacked it because he's smarter than me he unpacked it and he was like, no, no, I've told you about this person I prayed, but then today at school, I prayed for my friend to be healed and, um, you know, asked God to help him. Very simple prayer, just offered it in class, sat next to him, not interrupting the lesson, I don't think, but, and, and I just thought, this is why we do once a month. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Because actually both prayers are powerful that he prayed that day, but actually one is way more powerful for his discipleship because we're not with him in his school. Yeah. But but the fact that you've gone and done it together and modeled it has given him, well, it's one, it's given him the courage uh, Two, it's given him the equipping about how, but three, I think this, it's just brought the possibility of that into his mind because he's been out yes. there doing it, doing it. Wow. I, I mean, I'm going to think about this with my uh, youth group, Dan, because I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by this thought. Just one other thing. The key thing is the conversation afterwards. So we're only done debrief. For about yeah. Jesus did that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. The conversation afterwards, Jesus didn't, Jesus taught from experience, not taught to then take people on experience. A lot of the time when we look at the rhythms, I think. So I think when it's then those conversations that spur the thought of, I can do this else when. Yeah. And I think that's the key. The whole thing's like two hours. It's not this, you know, street preaching for a full Saturday or something. It's it's a, actually quite an accessible model that, that again, I'd picked up bits from here, bits from there, and then tweaked it as we went along. And the team are doing amazing leading it now. I love it. I love it. It's, it's stimulating me, Dan, and I hope it, it stimulates others uh, listening in on the conversation as well. But uh, there was one thing in the research that, uh, concerned me somewhat uh, and, and I'll, I'll run it past you and, and I want you to tell me what you think about it um, and it's this the research showed that only 
20% of the Christian young people surveyed were reading scripture, praying, and sharing their faith once a month. Reading scripture, praying, and sharing their faith once a month. I mean, that that doesn't feel like like good news to me. Um, and let me add on, on to that. So 58% of young people said they uh, engaged with scripture at least once a month, right? So just focusing on the scripture thing for a minute. Um, so 42% of Christian young people don't even read the Bible as much of, as once a month. Like how regularly those 58% are reading it, whether it's just once a month or every day isn't defined. But here's my concern, right? If that's if that's how little a part the scripture is playing in a young person's life, then okay, great that the report seems to be showing that they're they are, you know, sharing faith with friends. That's really encouraging. But if that's how kind of decentralized the scripture is in their lives, then my question is what kind of faith are they sharing? And on what authority is that faith based? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, is it like a, like, because what I see a lot of is like, a, you know, it's that whole kind of moral therapeutic deism thing. You're familiar with this where like, yes. you know, God wants me to be a good person and, you know, he's kind of there for me, um, like when I need him, but otherwise, you know, he's not largely concerned uh, in, in my life type of stuff. And if scripture doesn't have authority, if it doesn't play a central part in our discipleship, then what it, what what kind of faith are, is it that young people are sharing? Do, do, is is that a thought that's crossed your mind? Is that something yes. that concerns you? Like, what's your reflection on that? Yeah, so we're, we're working with an experiential generation, so it's yeah. it's based. I think what young people are sharing is going to be based on what they've experienced. Um. And I think they see the Bible as quite flat and linear. And it's also a generation that reads less. And it's not as biblically literate. It's not as literate. Um, so those things compounded together are excuses where it's at. It's more, I think, just a concern. Mm. Um, but how do we find other ways of young people engaging with Scripture? How do they not just rely on a good youth group talk for their scriptural engagement? Um and I guess, you know, is is it because it's, you know, the Bible's not that clickable, you know, even, yeah. though, it's on, it's even though it's on your phone. Well, attention spans, yeah, right. No, that's it, yeah. I mean, it's got loads of clickbait titles. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it, it, I mean, this is a major thing. I, like, just last week I sat with a young person for a one-to-one, and I was talking with them about, like, kind of, um, you know, it was a discipleship conversation. I was just you know, gently challenging them on, on certain behaviors that are in conflict with, with scripture. And they said to me, this is what they said to me. And I felt like, man, I could just like, it's just so reflective of, at least in my experience. And I think in what, you know, the studies and stats show of this generation, what they said to me was this, um, well, yeah, like I know, I know, you know, I've, I've read that in the Bible, but I kind of spoke to God about it and I felt like, you know, he just made me as I am and, and that he loves me. So it's kind of okay. And I'm like, is it though? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, 
And it's just that kind of like where where you are your ultimate authority. This is where we are with this generation, isn't it? Where yeah. the highest authority is that which is within you. Yes. And so how do we teach the generation that there is an objective authority which is um, superior to that which you feel inside, and it's the scripture? It's God's word as revealed in scripture. Like, how do we journey that with young people? Because I feel like that is a huge discipleship issue for, for this generation. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good question because the, with this idea of what is authoritative to people, yeah, I think we have two schools of thought and I don't think either of them are helpful on their own. One is, well, we'll just keep hammering the Bible because it's the Bible. Yeah. And hope through sheer blunt trauma and blunt force that it will become authoritative in their life because I've like shoved it in their face enough. Or we go, well, let's just like, let's just talk about what's authoritative to them. And we'll sort of find somewhere at some point to squeeze scripture in. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, there's a moral drop in there. And I think, yeah. so, you know, these are the two options that seem to be, whereas actually, I think, we go back to the Jesus model, he starts with what's authoritative to people, and then he builds towards the Bible becoming an authority in their life, which sounds like an easy thing, but we know it's not. But I think if we go in with that mindset of, let's start with what's authoritative to young people, and then take them on a journey for the Bible becoming the authority in their life in terms of the Word of God. But yet we seem to be either, no, no, we'll, no, we can't start with what's authoritative to them because it means that we are um, uh, um, compromising on Scripture when actually, no, it's, there's certain things we can't start with what's authoritative because they do conflict with Scripture, but there are things we can engage them where they're at with the aim of getting them towards that. Or the other option always seems to be, well, we'll just kind of we'll, we'll drop it in when we can yeah actually there is there is a way i think jesus displayed to us yeah because you know one of, one of the things that we've been trying to do in our youth ministry to address this is so, so what we used to do is kind of what you've described right is that we'd have a theme or a topic and then we'd talk about that and we'd drop in a relevant bible verse to it we've been just trying in recent months something a little bit different which is we're just we've actually just been working through the sermon on the mount and just starting with the scripture but even then, even then, I find like the danger is that it can become like, well, this is what it means to me. And maybe that's not what it means to you. But, you know, so, it, it, it you know, it's still like subservient to the God of the individual. You yes. know what I mean? So I just, oh, man, I find this is like a, this is just a really big thing right now and how we actually teach around scripture and the authority of god as revealed in 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 scripture and how yeah how how we help young people to come on you know to come under the authority of god as as revealed in scripture man it's just it feels like a it feels like a huge minefield uh right now um much more so than it because i just remember like i remember as i was first discovering the scripture like i had such a assumption like an un, you know, like an unquestionable uh, conviction that the scripture was the authority. That when I came across something in the scripture that um, challenged my behaviours, 
immediately I assumed it was my behaviors that were in the wrong and that I needed to change. But that assumption just isn't made anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And so like that makes discipleship so much harder because what, you know, if it's not built on the foundation of scripture, what is it built on? You know, you know what I mean? And so when I read the stats around like the, what was it here? So 49% of youth workers said they had no active disciples in their youth groups and 83% said they had fewer than five active disciples in their youth group. Like, I kind of grieves me, but in, in one sense, I'm not surprised because we're all walking around as our own gods, as our own authority. And we yeah. seem to be rejecting the kind of singular authority of God as revealed in scripture. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's a bit of a, a soapbox moment. Forgive me if it is, but it just comes out. It, it, it shouts at me from the research, you know? Yeah. But I think there's, there's a, I guess the deeper question is if young people, young people seem to understand more than we think the power of the peer influence. They seem to want to, or the statistics showing us that they are sharing faith. But I guess the underlying question is what faith are they sharing? Yes, exactly. And maybe that's what we need to go away and chew on. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's absolutely it. All right. Last one then, Dan, um, that I want to ask you about. Uh, Really interesting stat uh, here. The the question was asked, uh, well, the statement was weighed and then they were asked to agree or disagree. I should try to encourage others to become Christians. So essentially you're trying to, di- you know, decipher the motivation for evangelism. Like, uh, and actually I think the, the stats on this were pretty encouraging, weren't they? So we had 2% that strongly disagreed. They should encourage others to become Christians. 7% who disagreed. 21% who neither agreed nor disagreed. But then we've got 40% who agree that they should try to encourage others to become Christians and 30% who strongly agree that they should do that. Now, obviously we would want a hundred percent to strongly agree <laughs> that they would encourage others to become Christians in an ideal world. But, you know, given what we've just been talking about, about this kind of relative truth and your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And that's okay for you. And that's okay for me. I actually think that's, higher than i would have anticipated would you reflect the same yeah yeah i think so i think it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's a simple answer yeah 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 yeah. but it gives us something to work with that doesn't it it gives us something to work with that if if if, you know what so what have we got uh 70 percent 70 percent that's quite good of young people saying yeah like i should be encouraging others to become christians that's that's a really good starting point to, to work with i think because we probably would have thought this generation were anti-sales and proselytizing the gospel. Right. Yeah. I think they still are. Yeah. I think, again, it comes back to that. What what kind of Christianity are they encouraging to become part of? Yeah. Yes. But I think they've rejected some of that of the old. But what else have they thrown out with? When you know, is it the baby out with the bathwater? Is it, you know, there's they don't want the salesman evangelist in their face fine but they are willing to encourage other people to come to faith i guess the question is what kind of faith yeah and you know one of the things that i i really loved actually coming out of the research is is that that there were questions asked about okay how do you you know what are the what are the primary ways that you tell your friends about your faith 
but the, uh, also the question was asked about what, what are the primary ways that you show your Christian faith? And the top answer that came out of that was by how we love others. Yeah. And I love that because Jesus said, by this will people know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So that's exactly right. That's exactly what we should be doing. And I thought, I thought that was super encouraging that, that young people wanted to show others by loving them well that Jesus loves them. And I, I love that. That was really good. Dan, just as we, as we begin to wrap up, if, if I was to say to you, Dan, what, what, what are the key kind of implications for application for the youth leaders listening? Like if you could, if you could sit in front of a youth leader now and say, the, the, this would be the one or two things that I'd want you to go away and, and, and apply and to do as a result of engaging with this research, what would those things be? Yeah. Three, three very simple things. The first one is, I think this research invites us to take an honest look at our youth ministries, how we are doing evangelism and discipleship in terms of what gospel young people are sharing and how are we equipping them to reach out. Yeah. Number two, I think we need to make time to talk and listen to young people about sharing faith. So like, if we're concerned about what faith are they sharing, listening is going to help with that. Uh, but also just how, how they're finding it. And number three is encouraging young people that they are and can be influencers and that Jesus wants them to be. So yeah, there are three thoughts. Fantastic. Dan, love that so much. As we say, we've only really kind of scratched the surface and talked around the research here. If people want to read the full report, where can they go to find that and, and download the PDF? So if you head to hopetogether.org.uk forward slash influencers, then you can get it. Fantastic. Dan, thank you so very much for joining us on the Limitless Leadership Podcast today. And to all of you listening, thank you so much. Thank you uh, for joining us on the podcast. But more than that, uh, thank you for everything that you are doing to invest in the lives of young people, to share the gospel with them and to help them to share the gospel with others. You know, we, we say it on the podcast every time, but we say it because it is true. Like, what are we going to give our lives to that is more important than, than passing on the gospel to the next generation and helping the next generation to pass on the gospel to their peers. I can't think of a single thing. I, I genuinely really can't. So thank you. And I want to encourage you, don't, don't give up. Don't stop because what you are doing is so, so important. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hey, if you haven't done so yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get conversations like these into your ears uh, month by month. If it's been helpful to you and, and, and you think this would be a conversation that would be helpful for another youth leader to listen to, then please do feel free to, to share that via your socials or, or rate and review it uh, in your podcast provider, which helps it to get into the right ears. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. <laughs>